0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Oh, there's that stretch. (sighs) Friday morning here. Day after I just podcasted. Well, I don't know who to say I just podcasted with. I just, just podcasted with Robert Forte, who will be uh, next week's show. Somebody I've been wanting to get on for quite some time. And then uh, this episode, just as in yesterday, podcasted with Johnny Wilson. Johnny Wilson... Is a former Navy SEAL. He's a uh, we have a couple of mutual friends, but one of my close friends, one of his close friends as well, Craig Nuremberg, who's listening to this podcast and is an fucking awesome human. Thank you for the intro. Uh, Introed me to Johnny back in the day at the farm, maybe a couple of months ago, and I learned that Johnny comes through Austin every now and then, and so I figured we could get one face to face, and we did. And so this is an awesome fucking awesome interview. Uh, we dive deeply into Johnny's experience and life growing up, getting on the teams, uh, buds, all the stuff you'd want to hear about from a SEAL. Um, but really, you know, diving into his success post and and what has really been transformative for him in that space, and his wife and his family and, and all sorts of good shit. So. Uh, I loved this podcast with Johnny Wilson. Uh, he's doing some really fucking cool shit right now with technology and his ability to help prevent suicides among his brothers as well as help the the common folk. And so I'm going to be a guinea pig, my wife and I, uh, uh, with uh, one of his companies as common folk. I was laughing with him because I just got a to watch. It's been a minute since I've run any kind of... Um, smart technology and there's a lot of reasons for that first and foremost i feel like having worn an aura and a whoop watch side by side for years on end that i figured out uh, where my what my hrv score is going to be what my sleep score is going to be all that stuff i know when i'm in shape i know when i'm out of shape but i'm pretty fucking out of shape and when i was in the ufc i worked with a sento watch back in the day in their heart rate strap uh when i was doing altitude training and working with victor conti and that was awesome. They were the the who's who. He had all of his athletes working, uh, mostly boxers at the time, but um, a lot of his athletes were working with their technology, and I loved it. So I said, "What's the what's the latest, greatest? The Sunto Peak Nine Pro." And of course, all this shit's estimations. If you read Unplugged, you can see uh, by by my buddies, Dr. Andy Galpin and and Brian McKenzie, you can see just how flawed a lot of the technology is. Even the best of the best technology is still flawed. But that said. It's a guesstimation, right? And so one of the things that the new Suntil Watch does is it guesstimates your fitness age. So comically, I've been getting back into running since attending, um, oh, God, Dr. Romanoff. What is it called? PoseMethod.com. Since attending an event with PoseMethod, a running seminar, really, I've been excited to dive back into running. And I've been running pain-free and injury-free, which is fucking bananas at 41 and being relatively out of shape, out of shape for my own well-being or my own my own standards rather. And um, this damn watch, I've run, I've run three, days, three days straight and because I haven't fully recovered. Every time it estimates my VO2 max and then it estimates my fitness age. And so at 41 years old, it estimated me at 49, then at 50, then at 51. And thank God I went for a walk today and it put me back at 50 years old. So I think it's comical, but it's a, everybody's got to start somewhere. And I'm just pointing this out. So if you, if you get one of these things and you're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a good joke. Uh, bears, You know, my son just turned eight and he says he wants to have a birthday party for me to celebrate my 50th now. So everyone's getting a good fucking laugh out of it. But I bring up that uh, uh, because of the fact that Johnny's doing some really cool shit with tech that is going to save lives. And... Um, and I think it's really fucking important. We dive into that at the end of this podcast, but, uh, I had such a blast with Johnny. He's he's, we didn't even get into it. I mean, it is truly these, this podcast and the next, uh, consider them teaser trailers for more conversations to come. I uh, we'll have Johnny back on. We'll have much more to discuss. He's got some really cool events, fundraisers coming up where he's going to do some wild shit. I don't even want to mention it right now, but just the thought of it makes my fucking body cringe. Um, He's done it in the past, and he's doing it he's fucking like any good former seal gonna ramp it up and do even more so i'm I'm amazed by him and um and and truly honored to be able to sit with him face to face and get to know him better. One of the conversations we didn't dive into is he's now homesteading on five acres in Colorado, and that's something that I really want to dive into. If you listen to last week's episode with Joel Salatin, you'll understand why. I think a lot of people are getting the itch to do that, and I just want to hear the wide variety. There's a million ways you can slice that pie. There's a million ways uh, you can decide to to tend your land differently, Um, and I'm just curious. I'm curious to know. I'm curious to share info there. He's also an avid hunter, I found out post-show, so... Hopefully, I will be able to get. Uh, that would be, nothing would be better to me than going on a hunting trip with Johnny and and, uh, and his crew, and uh, and just fucking recording a podcast there. Some of my favorite podcasts with Joe Rogan are are the ones in which where he's out with the guys or they just got back and they talk about you know all of the experiences on that trip as well as any random other thought that pops into their head. That's that's really what being a fly on the wall is all about: listening to great conversations and and being in the room for them. And that's what podcasting offers. So. You guys are going to love this episode with Johnny Wilson. I certainly did. There are many ways you can support this show. First and foremost, share it. Now, I say this every episode. This one in particular, uh, I'm, already th- I'm already thinking of who to share it with because I, we all have friends um, that were in armed forces. And uh, on paper, a lot of them look great. And, and a lot of them don't know about these options. A lot of them are still tied to the VA. And if you fuck off and take cannabis, for instance, um, that can disqualify you from, uh, your ability to get treatment through the VA. And a lot of the treatments through the VA for better or worse are standard Western American model. And those don't seem to fucking work. They absolutely do not work. They don't work for the general population and they do not work to fix anything with the people that have been in harm's way. So, um, share it with your folks that you know, you know, we're in armed forces, men and women, and doesn't matter what branch they're in. doesn't matter what level, you know, they don't have to be special operators or any of that shit. And hopefully some of this lands for them as potential options for them. In the show notes, I'm going to link to uh, the place where Johnny Wilson had his first psychedelic experience. I have had, and I, and, and I fucking, I'm sorry that it, pain, it pains me to, to, to realize I don't remember the gentleman's name who I interviewed. Uh, or the name of the place, the facility for that matter. But I will link to it in the show notes. Jose will find it. And we'll find that podcast as well because uh, they're doing great work and, and proof's in the pudding with what happened with Johnny and a lot of his friends. So uh, I believe there is access for people, too, who don't have uh, military experience now uh, at that facility. And as always, Soltara.co. Soltara is uh, the who's who. They are my favorite place to go for ayahuasca. They fly in Shipibo Shaman um, trimesterly. So once every four months, they'll fly in a new couple. Curandero uh, and Curandera that I've worked with are Amerigo and Olga. They're from Peru. Shipibo, uh, Amerigo, the man has been training in this and guiding people as a maestro for 29 years, his wife for 15, Olga. Uh, the only reason she has not been as long as him is because she was raising their kids, and that's a fucking fantastic reason. She put being a mom first, and now she is steeped in the medicine and every bit as magical as her counterpart. Uh, and I've heard great things about the other people that they've brought through there. Uh, it's just a very well-held you know, top-down, bottoms-up place to go because you have uh, incredible food, organic food. You have air conditioning in your room. It's easier to get to than Peru. And, you know, their board it consists of guys like Dennis McKenna and Garber Mate, and their integration before, during, and after is bar none, hands down, the very best that I've, that I've been able to witness and participate in. So if this stuff calls to you, um... You know, depending on what is the, the medicine that's calling to you, and depending on your history of psychedelics, you can you can select, and that's that's really cool. There are options, but you want to make sure those options are vetted by someone you trust, by many people hopefully who you trust that have been there. And uh, I can't speak highly enough about Soltara. And uh, even though I'm drawing a blank on the name, still um, I know the place that Johnny went to uh, has has a lot of credibility. So. That's one way. Share it with friends. Uh, Number two, support our sponsors. They make this show fiscally possible. They put bread in my pocket so I can take the time necessary to spend all the time, not just podcasting, but researching, diving deep into the topics that I cover. Every one of these sponsors has been hand-selected either from me or my team. And if they're selected from the team, I try it first. I'll try it and I'll try it out and I'll really deep dive it the same way I did it on it to understand, does this work? Is this something I'm about? Does it flow with the arc of what I'm trying to portray and and give to people as tools that that can help us along our path? And I have some of my longest sponsors here, uh, a returning one from before in Raw Optics, but organifi.com slash KKP. As you know, as I mentioned every podcast, these guys are continuing all year long to hook you guys up with uh, my favorite products, at the end of each month, all you got to do is leave us a five-star rating. That's it. You, you go to show, uh, iTunes or sh- uh, Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life. And the better the review, the better the chance that you're going to win. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, and just leave your IG, your Twitter handle, or Facebook handle, And uh, if you're still on the book, and um, we'll know how to easily contact you and get your prize to you. Organifi.com slash KKP. Go there and grab a sunrise to sunset kit to be covered with the red. The red is phenomenal. It's going to help you with workouts. It's an excellent non-stimulant pre-workout that has cordyceps. It's got beetroot extract and things that are going to help potentiate nitrates in the body and allow your uh, nitric oxide. It's going to allow for, for the bigger pump, the bigger vasodilation. It's going to increase blood flow, not just to your muscles. Uh, but to your brain. So it's an excellent nootropic, and it pairs very well with nootropics for that reason. It's a great daytime thing. The green I love because it's your balancing act. The green has uh, got a fat dose of ashwagandha in it, along with moringa and a lot of the greens that are missing from most people's diets. And it, it t- these, these taste sweet and delicious, and there's only three grams of carbohydrates in both of them. And then lastly, the gold. The gold has uh, a fairly large dose of lemon balm extract, which is a great way to unwind without tanking you, you know, like if I want to unwind after a long day's work and transition into father mode in my seasonal fall before the the sleeping winter um on my daily scale of the seasons, the Organifi Gold is an excellent thing. It's excellent for the kids. There's a big dose of turmeric in it too, which is anti-inflammatory and 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 potentiating for the brain. I love all this stuff. You can get all three in addition to the 20% off you'll receive. A free 30-day sample of Pure 30-count travel packs. Clear your mind with this brain-boosting blend. Pure is made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain axis. Support improved digestion, focus, and clarity. You get all this at Organifi.com KKP when you grab your Sunrise to Sunset kit to be covered with the red, green, and gold, and 20% off with the KKP. And like I said, in addition, you're going to get a free 30-day sample of Pure, the 30-count travel pack. So check all that out at Organifi.com slash KKP. Thank you, Organifi, for being one of the longest sponsors we've had on this show running. I'm also excited to, to reintroduce Raw Optics. We've had Matt Maruka on this podcast a number of, I think, three different times. The boy genius, although man now uh he's he's been been on podcast since he was 18 years old just a uh somebody who really had to dive deep in health and wellness as many people in this field have because of his own downfall because of the crisis period of his body going to shit and then realizing nothing he was learning in school was going to help him and so he went off on his own journey he found out a lot about how the mitochondria work a lot about our relationship with light with natural light with fake light and everything in between and he invented raw optics Out of a basic need. So Matt Maruka learned about how important healthy light was for his own health challenges, but none of the blue light protection glasses on the market blocked the right wavelengths of blue light. The only ones that blocked the right spectrum were literally safety goggles that no one would wear in public. Raw Optics made the first premium quality science-based blue light protection glasses. And they still are the only premium blue light glasses on the market today. There's two lens types, daylight for daytime, that's at the office, at school, at the grocery store, et cetera, and sunset for evening time. Sunset are what I pay particular attention to. Thank God I do not have to spend my days in front of a screen for very long, other than some of these guests that I have online. Um... But I'm outdoors most of the time, and I know that's not the case for a lot of us. If you're in an office building with fluorescent lights, you for sure want daylight for daytime. That's going to help mitigate a lot of the bullshit you're going to receive from these very uh, narrow-banded flickering lights that are over your head and in front of your face. The nighttime, though, um, you really want to pay attention to that because without that, you're not going to secrete melatonin. A lot of people are on melatonin, and I uh, don't necessarily fall in Dr. Huberman's camp, that I think taking melatonin is the devil. And at the same time, um, if you can go without it, go without it. And if you can wear blue light glasses that help you naturally produce your melatonin, your own natural secretion of melatonin, that's something that you want. You want to fall into rhythm with your circadian rhythm. And anything that's stopping or preventing that is also causing a cascade of other issues. So really getting some amber bulbs in your house, I like good sense, but then getting a pair of these awesome glasses, the sunset lenses from Raw Optics are going to help take you a long way. Check it all out at rawoptics.com. That's R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S.com and use code KKP for 10% off. That's rawoptics.com, code KKP for 10% off. We're also brought to you by my homies at paleovalley.com. This is a one of our longest sponsors. These guys are incredible. They make the Paleo Valley beef sticks that are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Uh We've had a lot of different people on this podcast that can really speak to that. So hopefully everyone that's familiar with this podcast knows the difference here. Their beef is sourced from small domestic regenerative farms in the United States. They use real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional spices that are sprayed with pesticides or natural flavors often made from GMO corn. They ferment their beef sticks, which creates naturally occurring probiotics, which are great for gut health. This is a big one when we're eating dehydrated foods, guys if you're eating dehydrated foods, it's going to take a little extra hydration to get that to move through. And having the fermentation process on these beef sticks actually allows for way less gut dysbiosis. You're not going to get gassy. You're not going to get farty. You're not going to get bloated with these beef sticks. And I find that that tends to be the case with the beef sticks. So they do a great, they do the best job actually with the Paleo Valley beef sticks. My favorites are the paleo valley jalapeno beef sticks that's that's my absolute go-to it's not over the over the top spicy but there's just enough kick where you're like this is fucking delicious i want to have more of these and they uh recently came out with the maple bacon so if you're into pork this is a treat the first time i i cracked open a package i ate four of these in a row and they are just fucking phenomenal i mean it's Maple bacon—it's what you'd expect from a slightly sweet pork product that is of the, the highest degree in, in growing and manufacturing, and the highest level of happiness for that animal before they go to slaughter. Uh, the beef sticks are 100% grass-fed, grass-finished. As I mentioned, that contains a higher amount of omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals. Glutathione, which is our master antioxidant, CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, which is the fat that burns fat. They're high in bioavailable protein, keto-friendly and the best protein-rich snack to grab on the go. I take this with me everywhere. They're in my backpack with my podcasting gear. They go with me on every trip. I was just out in Montana, and I was gobbling these in my yurt. We didn't, Aubrey and the crew like to eat a little bit later than I do, and I was still going to bed relatively on time for, for my old man schedule, and, um, and, and those seemed to work. I'd get back, and I'd be swamped, and if we didn't eat dinner that night, I'd eat a couple of these Paleo Valley beef sticks, and that would settle me, and I'd be able to have a great night of sleep. These guys refuse to cut corners. They prioritize health over profit. And I really love what their company's all about. Visit paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com and use discount code KYLE for 15% off. That's K-Y-L-E for 15% off everything in the store. Last but not least, we're brought to you by my homies at Bioptimizers with the longest URL award. Don't worry, you can one-click it in the show notes, magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. Use code KINGSBOO in all caps, K I N G S B U, for 10% off any order. These guys are masters of the digestive system. They, they aid uh, so much from their product P3OM, which is, uh, as they say, the Navy SEALs of, of probiotics. They also have Mass signs, which is your most incredible digestive enzyme, HCL, which is super important. Uh, you know, buddy to tag team, any, any food that you're eating. Gluten Guardian is incredible. Anytime I throw my diet, uh, throw caution to the wind on diet, I make sure I have some Gluten Guardian on hand. And Capex, Capex is really incredible when it comes to uh, the the short stints that I stay in ketosis on mobilizing fat, helping me to burn fat and helping me to get more energy from that fat for fuel, creating more ketones and allowing my body uh, through acetyl carnitine to absorb more of that and create ketones. That's a very important piece for people who struggle in ketosis Try Capex the next time you jump in or the next time you're fasting. Mag Breakthrough is their magnesium product, and it is incredible because of the fact that it has seven different critical forms of magnesium. And really, each organ system in the body actually has preferences on which type of magnesium it's going to take in, and it's important that we get seven forms of magnesium designed to help calm our mind and help us fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Over 75% of the population is magnesium deficient. That's probably you, y'all. Like, if you're not taking magnesium, for sure, fucking put yourself in that category. If you're on magnesium and you're on one specific form, you might be shitting out quite a bit of it. So you want all seven. And what most people don't know is that even if they're taking magnesium supplement, they're still deficient because they're not getting all seven forms. Just said that. Magnesium breakthrough is the ultimate way to give your body all seven forms in one supplement. Not only does magnesium breakthrough help you sleep better, it also helps calm your mind and allows you to feel grounded and relaxed during the day and especially before bed. I like taking my Magnesium Breakthrough right before bed. In addition to experiencing relaxed sleep, Magnesium Breakthrough also helps improve digestion, supports muscle recovery, and supports healthy bone density. Don't miss out on the most relaxing sleep ever with Magnesium Breakthrough. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com kingsboo and use promo code KINGSBOO in all caps, K-I-N-G-S-B-U, during checkout to save 10% off. Once again, magbreakthrough.com slash kingsboo. All that's in the show notes. You can one-click it, and don't forget to use Kingsville at checkout for 10% off. And without further ado, my brother, Johnny Wilson. Yeah, I got, I got old, old buddies of mine. Johnny Stoltz from uh, ASU. Okay. Johnny, Johnny just it just has a good ring to it. Oh, yeah. You know? You know, I
1: got into, when I got to Goldman, people were particular about it. They're like, hey, what's your name? And I'm like... Honestly, it depends on what I'm doing, man. If I'm out with the boys having a good time, it's Johnny. If we're having a good time, it's, if I guess if we're in this setting, Jonathan, I didn't I didn't know how to respond to that because
0: yeah.
1: I mean Allison calls me a shit ton of other things too, you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> and it makes people uncomfortable. They were like, "What is your name?" I was like, "Fuck, I don't know. It's John, Johnny, Jonathan."
0: Just the fact that they're raising the question uh, tells you that they've got a stick in their ass about oh my, about that, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, because it's it's like you wouldn't even. You wouldn't even think twice there. No. But, but obviously, that's a, quite an uppity place to be in. So I, <laughs> we're going to dive into that. Um, obviously, we're going to dive into the SEALs and, and yeah. all that good stuff. But, but one of the things, you know, listen, I forget. I really wish I fucking remember the name of the guys right now. Um, there was an amazing, my buddy, Eric Vaughn, who, who was in yep. the text thread that you got to meet. It was an EOD. Uh, he sent me this awesome six-hour podcast. Wow. Um, that was with... Uh, a former 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 sniper and it was fucking rad but it was like it was the fucking full gauntlet of this guy's career sure it was really cool obviously we don't have six hours but one of the things i appreciated about that podcast was he really talked about his upbringing and and i think it was like tom berenger sniper movie where he's like i'm gonna fucking do that yeah like was there any moment in your childhood where where you realized like this is something i'm gonna do and you even knew like where you were heading
1: yeah oh absolutely um So for me, it was uh, high school. My dad was based overseas. He was in Saudi at the time. This is obviously pre-war. This was 90s. I had my first girlfriend, and he was like, son, you're coming to visit me. It's been a year since I've seen you, and I'm like, dad, I'm back in Tennessee. Like, we've got barn parties. It's summertime, first year of school. i got my first girlfriend. He's like, I'm not coming to see you. I lost that battle, obviously. So, <laughs> and he sent the ticket because we're not, obviously, back in the 90s. Old just, school, no, yep. yeah. so yeah. I got the ticket, and I was like, God dang, here we go. So being the teenage boy that I was, pissed off, I showed up to Saudi, and I'm just being a dick to him the whole time. Like, just ignoring him, like trying to let him know, like, I didn't want to be here. That trip changed the course for me. Like that is the trip that set me down this path. So day one, asshole, he's introducing me, to everybody letting me be the egotistical prick that I was at 14 or however old I was. Day two, same thing. Day three, I drive onto the base and I look to the right and this gate's closing. and it's a blacked out wire gate. And I see it closing, and I see all these dudes in short shorts, no shirts, Jack, tattoos, beards. I'm like, dad, and it had nothing to do with the fact that they had no clothes on, but I was just like, I was intrigued. I was like, Dad, Dad what was that?
0: It stands out like a sore thumb. Oh,
1: my God, you're on a base, and everybody else is high in tights, especially an Army base, and he's like, those are the SEALs. And back then, there's no you know, Tom Clancy movies. There's none of that. Uh, I'm like, D- what's a SEAL? And he had to proceed to tell me what a SEAL was. And uh, he was in the Army. He was an MP. For me, I thought I wanted to be a Green Beret. Um, I fell in love with that, that culture. So he came in, and... Awesome dad that he was like took me and introduced me to these guys. Those dudes took me under their wing. They're cleaning guns, they're lifting, they're asking me about what I'm gonna do with my life. And I knew right then and there, I was like, that's what I want to be. The culture, the the feeling you got of being a part of that. I was just so that 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 was the moment for me. Yeah, seeing a bunch of dudes with no shirts and short shorts on. <laughs> it was the playing with the boys scene where yeah, they're all fucking hitting that, volleyballs, that's you right know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. There is a there's a I think for and we'll we'll dive into this too, you know, yeah. the, the post career. I did a uh, I, I had, uh, my buddy on the podcast and, uh, went on his and, um, played the NFL and, and there's a, there seems to be a thread there, you know, like whether it's, it's high level athletics, you know, NFL fighting, whatever, even, even college level, right. Where, you know, when it ends, shit goes awry. But I think the you know, as I, as I look back on my own, I had a, it was a harder fall for me ending my football career than it was when I finished fighting. And that's because I had plant medicines when I finished fighting, and I didn't when I finished football. But one of the things that I missed the most was the camaraderie. Like, it was that team atmosphere that you're speaking of. That was such a fucking draw to get into. Talk a little bit about, you know, like, obviously, you can spend a whole podcast talking about training and shit like that. But, you know, Bud seems to be, like, one of the premier fucking ways to weed out the week. And and not even necessarily the weak because it's, it's, you know, from talking to buddies like... Um, God, how am I fucking forgetting his name right now? Lead instructor at the range, Jeff Gonzalez. Okay, who's a SEAL, right? Yeah. He's, he's like I. He's like I wasn't that great of an athlete. I just had no quit. Like I, there was no stop, right? So talk a little bit about training for that, preparing for that, and what was that like mentally?
1: Yeah. Um so we started and there was roughly 216 guys in our class. Um, and when you lined up the dudes, you show up and I was six foot six, I probably shrunk a little bit. Uh, so back, I don't know, six, six, one, six foot. So I wasn't the biggest guy. I was in pretty good shape, but I wasn't in that fucking great shape. And as I saw the other 215 dudes out there, I was intimidated. There are some studs, the guys that were like six, three, just no ounce of fat on them. And, um, you start fast forwarding through that training, and those dudes were the guys that were quitting. And I don't know why, but the guys that I picked, the guys that I was like that NFL, like former NFL guy, the NC2A athlete, like all the studs in the, those guys were getting weeded out really freaking fast. Don't know why. We had a lot of NC2A guys uh, make it through in our program. The guys I didn't pick, the guys that I picked to drop day one were this the stubborn sons of bitches that probably dealt with a lot of adversity growing up. Uh, those guys were the ones left standing. 16 of us uh, out of the 216, a lot of luck involved with that. Absolutely tons of luck. Like good dudes got hurt, broke clavicles on the last day of training out on San Clemente. Uh, a good buddy of mine eventually made it. But 16 of us made it through the first time. I mean, it was insane. And then again, you look at that, that crew, it's not the crew you would have picked. It's the crew that nobody would have picked, right? So when it was all said and done. And, I, and as I thought about it, and we talk about it all the time. It's like, why, why was it? Like, how did we make it? And it was just what your buddy said. Um, I looked out in that ocean and knew quickly, like, I did not want to be on a ship. And if I gave myself an out, like, hey, you know, if you don't make it this time, you can come back. If I gave myself an easier path, there's no doubt in my mind I would have taken it. It's just human nature in my, all those dudes gave themselves one option, like, you're going to make it, period. Or you die. So I guess there is two options, but we're not going to die. Some guys have, but nevertheless, like that, those were the two options, the guys that made excuse. And again, it's not, I'm not ridiculing them. I'm not talking down to them. Uh, I don't know why I had this ability to just like be stubborn as hell as my wife would call it, or just like push through adversity. I don't know what it is, but those 16 guys gave themselves one option.
0: Yeah. And you don't need to like disclaimer for the guys that didn't make it, you know, like the, the, the excuse armchair quarterbacking an excuse from here you would be like oh yeah that guy wasn't cut out for it or yeah. you know, everyone's got a fucking excuse or you know, probably quit in everything he did and fuck no he probably was great at everything he did and in that moment the fucking pressure yeah. is unlike anything else I can tell you like my last fight in the UFC I quit inside I was like, this is my life. I was walking out fucking so nervous and nothing was hitting. I kept getting taken down. He set the record for most takedowns in a fight. And and the quit, it wasn't quit like I give up, I tap. But we went the distance. But there was a quit in the sense of like when I knew I wasn't going to win, it was kind of like just making through, I'm just going to fucking make it through this and not have to worry about it again. You know? So like that level of pressure, and I hadn't done that in any other fight in my history. And that's when I knew I was done, you know? But like it does exist when you apply ridiculous amounts of pressure in extreme situations. And I can see that. Like, you know, they fucking probably went on to do other great things too. You know?
1: Oh, 100%. Those yeah. guys are great. I still stay in touch with some of them. Some of the best dudes out there. Um So again, like... Um, not sure why some were able to push through and some weren't. Like I don't think anybody, the Navy's probably done you know tons of Gallup studies trying to figure this out, and they still haven't. Like you're not going to be able to figure this out. Um, this goes down to mental fortitude, toughness, and and being able to push through in that exact moment. And there's times when I like there was one time when I thought about it. So third phase um, where you're out and doing land warfare, and then the last block of third phase, they fly you out to San Clemente Island, no oversight. Just some pissed off instructors that really are trying to weed out the dudes. And oh, by the way, our San Clemente Island trip was January, which means we just got back from Christmas break, which means we also just got back from Thanksgiving. And those guys purposefully was the best tactic ever. (laughs) They let us get fat and happy. We went back home to Tennessee, ate turkey came back and they're all chills. Like, hey, we're on the final stretch, boys. You guys just take it easy. Like, we're not going to beat you anymore. And they let us get soft went off to christmas we came back still nice hopped on the bird flew out to san clemente we get off that bird and i proceeded to get my ass handed to me for one month straight all of us it beat the living piss out of us like i mean i've never taken a beating like that and i probably never will and that was the first time san clemente in january so off the coast of california it's just haze it's raining it's fucking cold I remember I had a pallet on my back and we're doing these aircraft like, uh, runs to up the hill. And if you lose, you got to do it again. So it's like a quarter mile up, quarter mile back and you're just sprinting. So you're not, you don't have to do it again. And I remember doing it freezing cold and thinking, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And it was just a fleeting thought, but it was just like, dude, get it out of your head. But it f- it came to my, it came right through. And I, I remember it. I'll never forget that moment. It was the time that I, there was a decision, and I was, like, thinking about, like, just calling it. Uh, ended up obviously not, but um, that's the time when I quit, man. And I probably was, you know, 10 pounds of turkey and ham and <laughs> cheesecake. So that was they, – they took that weight right off me in, like, three days. They beat the living piss out of us.
0: That's so funny, though. I mean, it's like a – <laughs> my, when I walked on at ASU, I, t- I didn't get a chance to talk to my coach, my old strength coach about this until years later. He, he, uh, he won strength coach of the year at ASU. And then again, at the Carolina Panthers, only got to do it in NCAA and uh, NFL coach house. And uh, I, was, I was telling my, my strength coach I was training with at the time, Jesse Burdick, I was like, you know what this fucking guy did for, for the walk-ons? Like we had to fucking, and it's nothing compared to SEAL shit, but we had to do walking lunges 110 yards. Goal post to goal post, and then backwards lunges. And then we did 45 degree lunges, which effectively doubled the fucking length of the field before we got to run our 40 time. Oh my so God. So, like an eight second 40. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I was fucking battery acid. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised I could run the 40. You yeah. know what I'm getting at? Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, of course. He was just trying to, he was like, I was trying to fucking, was trying to get you guys to fucking quit. You know, yeah. that's all he cared about, right? But it's, he put thought into that on how can i fucking destroy the, oh, yeah. you know, these guys and it's clear that the, somebody is sitting back you know probably drinking a beer saying how can we fuck with these guys the most
1: 100 percent. yeah they're they're always and those guys were drinking uh and uh i got a good friend that was there i hated this guy he was uh he was the chief here uh chief there on the island i mean i fucking hated him uh and we'll get to this. He's in the plant space now, and like every time I see him, I just tear up. I give this man the biggest hug. I love how much he loves now. Uh, he's just thriving, but back back then he was an asshole. I yeah. mean, there's times when he'd come out and he'd be in his like completely stark naked with a bottle of Jack, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck, here we go." And I'm and you're caught too because the island's <laughs> small. You come out and you gotta be a chow, and you're you gotta run past the instructor barracks, and all of a sudden you see this instructor. I won't say who it is. But you see this instructor just, like, stark naked, bottle. He's like, Johnny, get over here. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. Because I knew that. was like, I'm not eating breakfast. I'm about to get my ass beat. And who knows, like, how drunk he is. Is it going to be a 10-minute beat? And he goes off and does something else. It's going to be an hour-long beat. I have no idea. So, yeah, it's so funny. To your point, like, uh, there's guys sitting around, like, with and without alcohol, thinking about how to make this shitty as as (laughs) shitty as possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well talk about your experience because I know from you know there was a big there was a gap there, right where the seal team wasn't necessarily in combat, and then shit hits the fan in at 9 eleven and then all everything changes. So talk about your time in where were you a part of that transition? Was it balls to the wall right when you got in? Yeah. what did that look like?
1: Yeah. um, So we got in and it was, uh, they upped the tempo. We were just kicking off the war and uh, normal deployment cycles are extended. They cut it in half or training cycles and then we deployed. So um, we, we showed up, started training and probably eight months later we were in Baghdad. Uh, at the beginning of the war, and um, we were part of a task force that was literally going out every night. I mean, it's what we wanted back then. Like, that's what we all fought to become and do, and it was honestly, it was, uh, in that point of my life, it was like pure ecstasy. It was, uh, it's what you do, you've poured every ounce of sweat energy into doing, and then when you finally get to do it and be a part of a team that is doing the exact same thing, you get into that flow state where you're just like... You don't even talk anymore, you're just like kind of reading off of each other and taking down targets. It was just like pure pure ecstasy um yeah, we were out doing multiple targets uh a night at times, and then um probably a little overeager um trying to get out there and and try to trying to find um death and destruction if you will, like trying to uh you know back then I'll be honest trying to get kills um And, uh, we quickly started realizing, I mean, found success there, but quickly started realizing like, wait a second, we're starting to make some mistakes here, right? Like, um, we haven't been at war in a very long time and we're using tactics that are freaking dated. These are Vietnam era tactics where we're taking down targets, uh, in this hostage rescue manner. Like we're running into these buildings and there's no hostages there. Like we're, why would we use this tactic? Like we're getting hurt. People are dying. Um, and it actually took a unit, uh, on the army side, they got, a, they just, uh, unfortunately were, um, were trapped. Uh, there was a barricaded shooter and, uh, it was a trap. They, they came to target and those guys were waiting for them. They barricaded themselves in the corners. They started realizing what our tactics were. So they, they started maneuvering around us and those guys, those army dudes entered the room and they just started taking heavies and it was a huge ambush on those army guys. They lost half the team that night. Shit. Yeah. Half the team. And, um, we had been talking about, wait a second, why should we be doing this tactics? But we were stubborn back then. Alpha males like, Hey, I'm not wrong. You're wrong type mentality. And, uh, it took that event for us to take a pause and be like, wait a second, what are we doing here? Like, why are we sprinting into buildings? And we completely revamped how we operated. Um, and I think the rest of my life, that was probably one of the biggest lessons for me was like, you know you may be at your peak but the environment changes and you need to change with it if you don't you're going to get crushed so you, you be at your peak at all times but constantly optimize or evolve to whatever the the battlefield gives you so for us it was pretty i mean it, it wasn't simple but uh, we started looking at what other units were doing what are the SWAT guys back in the states doing they're doing callouts they're like they're getting on bullhorns and they're like why they're not running in because they know that, like there might be some dude in there that's high off drugs and is just going to start shooting So he's like, wait, why don't we do that? Or instead, like, why are we blowing every fucking gate? Even if the gate's closed, dude. Like gates were like open. Right? I would close the gate, throw a slap charge on it, and then blow it. Like, (laughs) like I look back and I'm like, what were we doing? We would do it on the door. We blew everything up, man. This is like, if there was a fucking cat walking by, I would have probably thrown a slap charge on that and blew that fucking cat up. But, um, so we blew everything up. And if you think about that for two seconds, it's like, well, if you blow something up, everybody in the neighborhood is going to hear it. The other combatants are going to hear it. They're going to start coming. We were always in firefights. So, um, yeah, we started just like the gates open or let's see if we can, if the doors open and start walking in and we started being the quiet professionals that we, we, we became like, you know, we weren't out to, to, to go and, and kill people. We we're out to, to like really optimize the machine that we were. And now it's like, let's take dudes off targets because that's Intel that we can gather from them. We can find more bad people instead of just killing everybody that came in our, in our site. So um, we were at it for a long time. I got back and we ended up training right 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 again and uh, a couple months later we're back in Baghdad a different task force going after a different group of people but same thing just it was cool to see the evolution of us when we first showed up unfortunately it took like death and on our side for us to to witness that and see that but then to see how we just constantly evolved um and those those boys are still doing it I've been out of the game for a while but they're just constantly with technology without just what's going on out there and just evolving the machine that they are and it's just so cool to watch
0: yeah, I think uh, Paul Cech talks about this from like a health and wellness standpoint, but he says, you know, oftentimes crisis is the necessary driver yeah. for somebody to actually make change. You know, like it's, it's finding yeah. out you have cancer or finding out you're diabetic and they're going to fucking amputate a foot yeah. before somebody will actually take, do the hard thing and actually shift gears. And I can imagine in, in your setting, you know, especially from like the top-down perspective, like you guys are all highly intelligent, highly trained individuals, the best of the best. And you you've still got people that are saying like this is the way that we're doing it. This is the oh, way it's yeah. been done. You know, it's
1: crazy. Like, it, it, look again. Looking back, it blows my mind. But like, you you're in a room of alphas, and um, there's hierarchy, which throws everything off. Um, people don't want to be wrong because um, you want to get. I don't know why the reasons. Maybe promotion. Maybe you don't want to be embarrassed around other leadership. Nevertheless, like I think it came down to egos. Like dudes were just like super like no that wasn't me that was you um no that wasn't me dude that that was you we talked about this what that forced us to do is like clearly set expectations like hey let's what is your job here like what's all of our jobs here and let's agree to what that is and then realize battlefield is going to shift and then we'll evolve our jobs our roles and responsibilities and we'll agree to it again and we're going to fucking make mistakes we all make mistakes like let's own those mistakes so that we can acknowledge what happened And then evolve this machine. So, if there is a mistake that happens, why did that happen? Oh, shit, we're doing an old tactic. Let's modify that tactic. Let's train to see if that's a better way of doing business. And if it is, cool. Then we're gonna take that tactic and then we're gonna share it with the rest of the forces. And this is our new SOP. And it was just happening at such a rapid rate. Uh, It was really, I mean, again, it was just, it was amazing to watch. But when we first showed up, egos, you know, rank, um it really stubbornness uh, it forced a lot of people unfortunately to get hurt um but in quick time we started doing the after action reviews which i'm pretty sure you're familiar with after every mission we'd get back no matter what happened dude got hurt didn't matter we'd walk in with all our kit and just go through like what actually happened man and then if this is a better way of doing business cool this is our new sop
0: i wonder i want to go a couple ways i wonder yeah. if that helped with with. um processing some shit. Obviously that's not going to fucking do the work that the plants did and the shit that we're going to dive into. But I wonder if just being able to talk about how shit went down was a little bit of a lift as opposed to just moving on to the fucking next thing and not discussing it.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't perfect and it probably still isn't right. Like um, there's new leadership that comes in. Um, you lose some of the the tribal knowledge or, you know, why we can still the, the elders, not a good turnover. So I imagine there's some of that repeat mistakes happening. Uh, but to your point, yeah, it was therapeutic when, when we had the real conversation. So again, if like we're in an after action review and we're not having the real conversation, everybody, I mean, you see it. Everybody's just like, what the fuck? Like, that's not what happened. We're just sitting around the room. Like, okay, now we're wasting our time. We're not learning anything from this. But when we had the right team leadership, we created the right environment where people weren't going to get scolded. That was the other thing. If you like raise your hands, I got fucked up. And then somebody comes over the top is like, yeah, you did. I was like, I'm, I'm never sharing again. Yeah, you everyone else I mean? just fucking yeah. buttons up the yeah. second
0: they see their buddy get fucking yeah, laid into.
1: Like, oh no, that was Johnny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but when we created an environment, it was it was it was pure pure magic to watch. Like the guys, just like, yeah, I, I fucked up. I was supposed to be covering on this, and then something caught my attention. I let that dude go. Um, and that's where we learned. That's where we optimized for
0: sure. Yeah. A couple of the really good points you brought up in there was like one, you know, obviously Jocko wrote a whole fucking book on it, extreme ownership, but yeah. like you, you actually say yes. Like, yeah, that's me. I did yeah. that thing and you, and you own it. The other piece that reminded me of uh, Dr. Will Tegel who passed away recently, but something he used to talk about was every year, the Muscogee Creek Indians would, would sit with each other and come to new agreements, new agreements in their marriage, new agreements in their roles in the tribe, new agreements with their kids and what the expectations were. And he's like, think about it. He's like, you were married to your wife. Uh, before you were married, you were married when it was just you guys. You were married when you had Bear. You were married when you opened the marriage. You were married, you know, when you closed the marriage. You had all these different agreements, right? Yeah. They're completely different people. The environment changed, you changed. Yeah. And it requires new agreements. It requires, you know, outlying like, what are my needs now? And what are my expectations? And how can we fulfill those for each other?
1: Dude, that's, uh, that's amazing to hear. Uh, I'll I'll do a little digging and homework on that. I want to read about that. But to your point, you get married and then, you know, there's some expectation. You probably didn't sit down with your your old lady and was like, hey, this is, this is my job. This is what I'm going to do. This is your job. (laughs) But I mean, regardless, there was probably some expectations, even if they weren't spoken. And now you fast forward and you got kids. I mean, you're in a completely different environment, you know, careers taking different directions. And how are you holding yourselves to those same expectations? How can you the environment's completely shifted. So, I mean, you see it in business all the time. I spent time, you know, in finance and and uh, people get into these shouting matches, the egos get involved. And it's like, I, I look back and, I, you know, I, tr- I coach some of the folks, some of my teammates. is like, if we just sit down and just like agree to what our jobs are, I mean, Bill Belichick, do your fucking job. Well, what is our job? And then if we know what our job is, then we can do it. And then when a mistake happens because we all make mistakes, cool, then we own it. And then we fix it and we keep doing our job better than we ever could before. But- it's not how business works, uh, unfortunately. So, um, no expectations, no agreements, tons of chaos, um, and um, tons of opportunity to fix it if they just took a took took the chance, I guess.
0: Yeah, the hard the hard conversation, the hard look at yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about you know life leaving the seals, and um, did you you went back a second time, right? I did. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk, about, talk a bit about that. Oh man. And the tran the great transition. Yeah, the, big, the great transition. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's been a few great transitions in my life. We'll get to those. Uh, um, yeah. So again, like rewinding with my dad, see a bunch of dudes with no shirts, like want to be a seal, became a seal. Like that's my whole life purpose. I didn't know how to swim. I became a lifeguard. My cardio was out, uh, you know, trash. I used to run four miles and back to football practice. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. And then I became it. Um, and then, and you know, like when you get to that level, you're pretty damn good at it, right? Like you're constantly training. That's all you do. But what you're not good at is everything else, right? Like I was not a fucking good husband. I wasn't present. Uh, we're, we're training all the time. Um, when we're gone on deployments, like I, I seldom reached back. Uh, like I wasn't a father. And this first, you know, 10 years uh, in the military, my wife and I get back from deployment, and like, we hadn't seen each other, and boom, the stork would come, and we got another kid on the way. So we had five kiddos.
0: Wow. Yeah, dude. Congrats. Thank you.
1: Oh, it's the best blessing. <laughs> I just had some
0: graduations this week. That I, just gave me butterflies. For, like, uh, we're still co-sleeping with number two. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I do. It's chaos, but it's like,
1: it's the best. Like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love every second of it now. And I couldn't see it before, man, and we'll we'll get to all that, but... Um, but you know, Allison pulled me aside and she's like, you're just not, you're not here. Like, and I'm proud of you and we'll support you, whatever you decide to do. Like you want to continue on this path. Like we're always behind you, but, um, we don't know you. Your kids don't know you You haven't been here for birthdays, Christmases, and we're not faulting you. We're just calling out the facts. And, you know, back then I was full of rage and anger coming back to back deployments. And I, you know, I kind of walked away. It's like, you know, what the fuck? Like, I'm providing for this family, and again, I just couldn't see it. Um, but she planted a seed, and and uh, I walked away, went on a training trip, and I was just constantly thinking about it. It's like, wait a second, you know what? She's she was right. I I do I do those kids do deserve. I was, was coherent enough and uh, was able to think clear enough to know that those kids and then that woman deserved a partner. So we made the the choice to get out. Um, didn't know how to get out. All I had was my tribe and uh, got back from a deployment and then had a couple of months to find a job, you know, meet people, network. I mean, these are things that I didn't know how to do, dude. Um, and back in 2010, there was no, you know, there wasn't that many pro- nonprofits helping out. There was, you know, the government and the military didn't have a program in place to help. And it was kind of like go through this checklist, admin, medical, and once you're good, then you're out of the Navy. We're all set. That's essentially what happened. And, I'm, my dad's uh, enlisted. I was enlisted. My dad was, uh, I was born in Texas and we kind of moved around and ended up in Tennessee, went to high school there. And my, you know, my, my, uh, mom has a degree. My dad doesn't. Um, we didn't, you know, I just didn't know like what I was capable of, but I knew I liked to shoot for the stars. Like if somebody else can do it, I can fucking do it. And I'm going to fight to do it better. So I had a buddy as I'm kind of networking. He's like, well, what about Wall Street? And I was like, uh, I, I mean, tell me about Wall Street. What's that about? And it's like, it's kind of like being a team guy because the high risk and you're trading stocks. And I'm like, dude, if it's like being a team guy, that's what I want to do. Let's do it. And uh, I went in, I interviewed and um, got the opportunity to trade on a desk there and I remember um uh, coming back on my first day. So a couple things happened. My father in law was like, Hey, Princeton, New Jersey from Wall Street is like an hour train ride. It's not a fucking hour train ride. It's an hour forty five all in one way. So So I was doing that every single day. Uh, But first day I'm going, I'm eager, I'm excited. Uh, I'm still not like fully out of my mind from war. So like little things that I didn't know back then, like putting myself in a corner, hypervigilant, looking around on the trains. Like I didn't know all these things were happening behind the scenes, but show up to Wall Street, get there, do my first day, staring at Bloomberg's. Like, man, I, I made it right? Like I, I did it. Like I'm, I'm 1% dude. <laughs> and you, you know, coming home, I was like, man, I'm, I, I can't believe we have done this. Like, I'm just like somebody from nowhere, like got an opportunity to be on wall street at Goldman Sachs. And you fast forward and it's like two weeks and four weeks in, and I'm doing that same trading ride. And that thought starts shifting. Like, Hey dude, you made it. Why do you feel this way? Like, why are you not like excited? Why are you like starting to feel these new emotions that you can't describe, which later come to find out were depression and anxiety attacks starting to creep in from my time overseas. Um, Everybody's telling you, congratulations. Why are you now considering, like, leaving your wife and blowing everything up, like leaving your family? Congratulations, dude. You're part of the 1%. And um, I started talking to other buddies. I was like, are you going through this too? And I was like, yeah, man, this is like, I don't know if we fit out here, man. You get back from war and there's no acclimation period. And now you're in a suit. And my first suit, dude, kind of segue real quick when we were in the teams, we were doing some PSD, so security uh, uh, stuff for some of the, um, you know, anybody that came in, the dignitaries from the US, president, vice president, and then other countries as well. So we had suits, but the suits, the coat top had to be, or the blazer had to be a little big so we can hide our weapons. So mm-hmm. you've seen the photos, you see these guys in suits and they got glasses and, and there's guns tucked away. Well, that's a suit I wore day one to Wall Street, right? And like, not even halfway through the day, my, my boss looks at me, like writes down the numbers, like go, go fucking see this guy. And I was like, what did I do? He's like, you need a suit.
0: So he sent me to his tailor <laughs> and I'm
1: like wearing like a $99, which is cool, man. I dug it. I, I love that story, but I was wearing a $99 suit and, and they, they're like, you can't wear this on at Goldman, man. Like, so he kicked me off and off the desk and I had to go get a suit. But, uh, back to kind of the story. I was just, I don't know, man, all these things started creeping in and albeit that, that, um, you know, the world was telling me you did it, and I was making money for the first time in my life. Like, I wasn't enjoying a single bit of it. Um, I ended up, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a buddy of ours, uh, Nick Check, um, was killed on a hostage rescue mission. Um, I remember going home that night. I was watching it on the trading floor. I'll never forget. I was, like, literally facing this way, and the TV was right there, and I see this happening, and then the texts start coming through, like, hey, because they don't tell you who it was, but then they started telling coming through, and I was like, Fuck. I went home, and I, was, I t- turned to my wife. I was like, I just can't do this. Uh, I'm going back in. And so I quit, called my boss, and I didn't know if I can come back in. Like, right? So I'm like, I quit. Don't have a job now. I'm like, all right. Shit, I should have probably secured a job or, like, figured out if I can come back in before I quit my job. But here we are. So I had some good mentors that pulled some strings for me. And the next thing you know, uh, I'm back in the teams. And then a couple months later, I'm off. On deployment again in my happy place, again like doing what I was probably put on this earth to do at that time, or so what I thought uh, at such a high cost that I just thought that's how I was wired. So family and everything was just deteriorating behind the scenes. Um, One beautiful event that came from all that was just the awareness that it's not just me. There's a gap here, um, and there's like what I always say: if there's a gap, there's an opportunity or an obligation. Um, so we started the Seal Future Foundation, me and a buddy of mine. And for me, it was just like bitching to him. I was living on his uh, on his couch and on Astor Place because I couldn't make that fucking commute every day into Wall Street. So I'm living in the, on his couch and I'm just complaining. He's like, Johnny, like I know you guys. Like You guys have so much potential. I think this is like, I don't know if there's an acclimation period or you just need mentorship. But like you, you got to find the right team and the right company and the right mentors, but like, no, dude, like, don't like, you guys do fit out here. In fact, you guys are leaders that can add so much to these different companies. It's like, I'm telling you. So I'm complaining. He's, he's kind of, uh, talking me up and talking our community up. And then, you know, I realize that that's so true. Like what other group of people have been able to, uh, operate? at that level under extreme duration of stress and make some quick thinking decisions. And if they were the wrong decisions or right, make another decision and constantly creep towards mission success, knowing that's the most important thing. What other group of people would sacrifice themselves for their, for their brother? I was like, man, these are things that people absolutely should know about and we could add value. So we created the SEAL Future Foundation in 2011. And that was initially just to help dudes with uh, job placement and mentorship we did communities and I don't want to get too far ahead but we inevitably started a a wellness pillar um unfortunately a good friend of ours committed suicide on our watch and and that's what set me down on this next path in my life so
0: yeah well we're 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 uh Run right on track. I don't know if you, if it's, uh, the leaning on Allison for strength and her own journey, uh, comes before this, this, or it tails in. Uh, well, just hold that in your mind's eye. Yeah. And, and steer the ship where you want it to go.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, let's spend time on the, on the foundation and kind of yeah. what we've done and what this new team's doing. They're crushing it. So, um, initially like i think our first event we did in greenwich connecticut in fact i know our first event we did in greenwich connecticut and um we didn't know what we were doing like 501c3 how do you set this thing up a bunch of knuckleheads just we we didn't know how to do it but again like there's only one outcome like you got to figure the fuck out because there's people like me that are starting that now have anxiety attacks and suicide ideation and then we started losing dudes um, we got to figure it out for the for the brothers, for their families, for for this country, for this world, because these people deserve to live a, a healthy and happy life post what they've did for all of us. So we figured it out first. Intergrown is Connecticut, like massive, just like not our our like place not our environment good people like all polished up a lot of like uh easter colors in there and i'm just like (laughs) we're all in black suits you can pick out the guys we're nervous like we used to do missions we've done hundreds of missions and like we're nervous in this in this room but that group of people uh changed our lives we raised four grand uh at that event and i'll come back to that and i'm so grateful for that four grand dude but we got some leaders. So one of our board members came out of that and he's been instrumental, uh, in the success of the seal future foundation. Um, and just kind of a teaser. And again, grateful for that $4,000 grateful for allowing us to be in somebody's beautiful house in Greenwich, raising awareness. Uh, we just did an event in New York raised over a million dollars. We did a Nobu event, uh, in Malibu with a couple, like, I think it was like a dozen people and the, and the team just raised a million dollars at that event. So this thing is like, we, we had a vision, we built it, and we've turned it over to the next generation of war fighters, and they're growing this thing, and it's so cool to watch. Um, so those initial pillars inevitably uh, came to a point where we thought we were helping the community, like getting guys jobs, but we weren't healthy. Like we, I think a lot of us in this world have addiction, not just to, to drugs or alcohol, but to behaviors, to women, to just, just tons of addiction. And just like the nature of what we used to do, uh, created some really bad habits for us. Um, so we created this wellness pillar, as I mentioned, unfortunately, um, after a buddy of ours committed suicide and, uh, we were supposed to meet with him on Monday. I think it was Monday morning. Um. had a meeting to help with his transition and then the weekend before he shot himself on FaceTime with his old lady and that was the first of many dude and I've when it was all said and done I did 16 total years in the in the certain service I got lost a lot of friends like we all have um to combat and I've lost more friends now to suicide Dude, just this year alone we lost three one of our first chiefs uh you probably heard of Mike Day Mike day was one of our first chiefs. He got shot 27 times uh, on the last mission, 27 fucking times, another barricaded situation. They thought he was dead in the room. He picked up his gun 27 times shot, killed everybody in the room, walked out to the helicopter and flew home.
0: Damn
1: dude, hard dude. And he was going around the country, sharing his story. And you know, we all have our challenges and, uh, unfortunately uh, he couldn't overcome those. And, uh, um He took his life uh I, I believe last month, and it was just like, i mean we got to do something about this, so um so lost more guys now to suicide than I have to war um The wellness program is just it 's now run by uh a younger seal who's just he 's crushing it he was a wrestler, I think at oklahoma uh he 's got so much passion for the community and the boys. And uh, what we initially put up, he's grown. So initially, we had just a diverse group of uh, uh, providers. Like, we weren't going to pigeonhole ourselves into just one one area. We wanted to see what worked. That's something we always do is, like, let's go explore what's working. Like, right now, they're telling us, like, it's SSRIs. And talking to a therapist, then why isn't it fucking working? Why are buddies on 16 SSRIs? They're on stackers. Why are they talking about still committing suicide when they got the solution? So, um, we just started looking everything out there. What's this HBOT stuff? Oh, that seems cool. There's some cool research around this. Like, okay, what's this stem cell like for the guys with messed up like me with messed up backs from like, you know, helo incidences and, and crashes and like just from jumping dozens and hundreds of times. Okay, that seems to be working. There's some cool research around that. Like what's some of the traditional or holistic medicine that we can explore? Okay, this seems really fascinating to me. And that's inevitably where we got to plant medicine was I was one of the first guys. Uh, you probably know Marcus Capone. Uh, if you don't, Marcus is a former team guy that's doing a lot in this medicine space. Good dude. Um, and uh, he ended up going with another team guy down to Mexico. It's, you know, began? And um, so you fast forward, I don't know, maybe a couple months. And I see a dude that I hadn't seen and probably a, a team guy. Hadn't seen in probably two years. And the last time I saw him, he got kicked out of the SEAL teams. He was on the Bin Laden mission. So he got kicked out of SEAL Team 6, got kicked out of the SEAL teams for drinking, got kicked out of the Navy for drinking, and then was back home in his mom's trailer, like contemplating taking his life. He's like, I went from the peak to now this. So last time I saw him, was super obese, probably like, you know, 5'9", 200-something pounds, didn't look healthy, was boozing hard. And I walked away with somebody. I was like, dude, I don't know if we'll ever see him again. But we did. And I didn't realize it was him. So this dude runs up to me and gives me the biggest hug. And this dude's like glowing. Like the energy off of this, I was just like, what the fuck? And I was still back in my like,
0: (laughs) you're still like what is this? I got my walls up, man. Don't hug me. Yeah, what are you doing, man? I don't know
1: you. You got long hippie hair, and you're like, you're literally glowing right now. I've never seen anybody glow. And he gives me a hug and he looks me in the eyes. He's like, dude, you don't know who it is, dude. I was like, no dude, it's, it's Nick. I was like, what? Uh, and I was like, what happened to you, man? Uh, and he proceeds to tell me, he's like, well, I got introduced to plant medicine and, uh, I did Ibogaine and I've done, you know, psilocybin since then. And I'm just like inching further back. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) And I said, Nick, it was Will. Um, and I'm just like, dude, Will lost his fucking mind. Like he's, he's talking about psychedelics and I'm still in the mindset, like, majority of this is probably country i think we're doing a lot of advocacy now and changing it but i was back then in 2018 i was like dude that's a drug
0: yeah you're gonna ruin your yeah. fucking mind yeah man burn we, holes in your exactly,
1: brain exactly dude so i walked away and again i always talk about planting seeds i mean he he planted a seed and um you know as the founder one of the co-founders and the, the ceo at the time of the non-profit i was like well i mean i owe it to I I tell the board members all the time, we, we have to explore everything. And now I'm putting up this wall. I was like, let me just take a look at what's going on here. And as you know, better than I do, like the research is just like mind blowing. When you start looking at the research compared to all the the solutions out there, SSRIs to, I mean, and for the different symptoms that a lot of us have PTSD, depression, anxiety, I'm like, wait a second. Like, how is this not out there? How are we not like on Hills right now yelling Uh, but I was still a little skeptical, still had that, like, you know, dare mentality. Like we don't do drugs here. Um, but was starting to get in a real bad spot personally. So again, super successful. Everybody's patting me on the back. You got a lot of money. And I just got to a spot where suicide ideations became like a normal thing for me. Uh, started thinking about it heavily. Um, hated my wife, hated Allison. Uh, didn't just didn't want to be with my family. Uh, and it wasn't me, it was them. <laughs> um, or so I thought, uh, left, like got an apartment and just abandoned, like, I, you know, again, dude, you're, you're at the peak, man. You're the 1%. What's going, why are you feeling this way? So it got so bad that I finally just kind of caved as like, what do I have to lose? I'm thinking about taking my life. Um, I'm like, I I don't fit in out here. I don't like people. I'm hypervigilant. I want to fight everybody. What do I have left to lose? So I reached out. I was like, where did you tell me more about this? Where did you do this? Um, Next thing you know, I'm on a plane, like literally the next day, fly down Mexico and have no idea what's going on, but I trust my brothers. Um, I didn't know any of these other fucking people, but I trust my brothers. And um, I took the pill and uh, I took the medicine. (sighs) ah, dude, you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Um, man, it was one of the hardest experiences of my life and yet the most blissful and beautiful and loving experience I've ever had. And I remember just like going through it and, um, You know, I did ibogaine the first night, and and that was that was that was hard. I was at war, like I was fighting demons. I was pulling some darkness out of me, literally in my head. I was pulling like, as I was purging, throwing up, like darkness was coming out of me, and there was demons all. I mean, it was dark. Not everybody's experience was like that. Some have beautiful, pleasant experiences. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Mine was not that, Uh, but I'm so grateful for it. And I just pulled all this darkness and hatred and shit, and I was able to kind of see for their first time, like, yeah, your dad and your mom got divorced and yeah, your dad wasn't the best dad. And like, you blame him for a lot of things. He tried and he tried with what he had and he didn't have a father in his life. And so give the man some grace. Like he, he didn't know what he was doing. Just like, you don't know what you're fucking doing, but just, you know, he tried with what he had. And same thing with my mom, all the things I was like, man, my mom's tough. She's, she's at the house right now. I had my oldest son graduate uh so it's been it's been great but our relationships blossom but same thing she's panamanian like i'm half panamanian those women are feisty like (laughs) those hispanic women and she took some shit out on me like uh i love her to death she's an amazing woman
0: whoopie with the chancala oh yeah yeah (laughs) i got my
1: my daughter so i have five kids as mentioned most of them look like my wife they got blonde hair blue eyes red hair and then i got charlie charlie has the hispanic blood flowing through her she's got the dark complex and she's always talking about the chancleta she's running around like she's she's my mom and my sister to a t uh so feisty but um so yeah (laughs) but that experience man i i i started seeing as like you like how can you like how can you go through life like judging and hating everybody like like you have never stepped a day in their shoes you don't know what they've been through. You've just now witnessed what your parents have been through. I saw it clear as day. I saw like their upbringings. I saw when I was a kid, it was clear as day. Like the love that they poured into. I'll never forget this. My third birthday, it was crystal clear. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Cake. Like I still remember it. I see, I saw everything as clear as could be. And I felt that love. And I just had these walls up and, um, Right then and there, I, f- I decided, I was like, you know what? This isn't the way to live. It's the alternative. We lead with love here. And it felt like an explosion when I thought that. I mean, literally. I mean, the energy that came off of me and, um I mean, I... I was in it for a while. The other guys are bigger boys. One of the dudes is a good buddy of mine He's from Montana. He's a cattle rancher. He was in for like three hours. So I'm like, what the fuck? I've been in it for like 12 hours, man. I'm like fighting <laughs> for my life in demons and his, he saw a blue Buffalo. I'm like, <laughs> but, um, uh, but those guys were in and out and I was in it. And then the next day I kind of just walked around and was reflecting and just like trying to like understand what just happened as you, you know obviously i know you your experiences as well and I'm, I'm interested to hear your first experience but for me like i was just like dumbfounded i was like man there is so much more to this and it all starts with love again the next day we did five meo and um
0: was this the place that's just uh, south of san diego yeah okay cool I, I i'm so bad with names but i had one of the one of the practitioners on the podcast martin uh, no, I think it okay. was a different guy, but yeah, Martin. it was, I think Martine was supposed to come on the podcast. Okay. It's a guy from, um, he was in the service.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. There's some good dudes, yeah. uh, that have now dedicated their lives to healing. And, uh, I think a lot of us are doing it in some way, shape or form. Those guys are all in and it's, it's so great to see the community come together. And I mean, we're just gonna, after all this, you know, decades of war, we're just going to have guys. Consistently needing the support of, in my opinion, the plant medicine. And it's so cool to see how we've all, like, it doesn't matter what color skin you are, what side of the house you're on, like, we're all coming together and uh, pushing this because we see the benefits of it. So um, 5-MeO for me, dude, like was, so now you did your, like, this massive Ibogaine journey, and now they're like, hey, smoke this toad. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Two days ago, I was... <laughs> But I did it, and um...
0: it's funny too because these two, like for people that don't have any experience, like you're selecting, arguably two of the hardest. I've talking, at, fucking that length about ayahuasca, and it's certainly in a league of its own. And yet, iboga, and ayahuasca last can last a lot longer than ayahuasca. And can be just as purgative, if not more, right? So there's a, mm-hmm. it's gonna ring you the fuck out. Oh yeah. And then five AMO is like ripcord, <laughs> out of body experience, fifteen minute blast off, zero to a thousand, yeah. you know, all in an instant, you know.
1: It was wild. And to your point, you're just like, okay, so now they're lighting the flakes of the poison of this toad. I'm like, how did I get here? But I'm here, and we're gonna, you know, I've got to trust the system, and I tr- trust the brothers, and here we go. Inhale and uh to your point, you just look, kinda like lay back, put your mask on, and I'm just like anxiously like what the fuck, what the fuck? And then just gone. Like it was a rocket ship. Like I was I mean, I was sitting there in the presence of, you know, de- to me, what I believe now is like God is everywhere and I was in the presence of that. And I see, and I'm not trying to get religious here, but I see these different religions all in what I was able to experience uh and just be at you know, this beautiful, blissful place that it's hard to describe. I mean, it was, yes, it was white, it was light, but it was the emotions, the feelings. Like I just, for the first time, again, I go back to, I I felt love for myself. And then, I mean, I just started whimpering. I was just crying, rolled into a dog. And I just like kind of had a release from years of trauma and hatred and anger and just let it all go, man. And it was beautiful. And asked if I wanted to go again and and in my head I'm always like so this was interesting like the ego like which has kept us alive right like there's a place for our ego is like dude you got other people waiting like what are you doing this isn't about you come on man like you're gonna do it and you're gonna fuck it up and I'm having this like internally in my head I'm like talking to my ego I'm like whoa like I just kind of it's like okay maybe I don't do this and you know I was like you know what Johnny like you always do this you do you do things for everybody else like this is about you, like, focus on you right now, took the other hit, and, um, dude, I proceeded to throw up everywhere, and um, I was just so embarrassed, I was like, oh, my God, you idiot, like, fucking ego is right, like, why'd you do this, now you gotta, you gotta throw up everywhere, and I have my mask on, and you gotta throw up everywhere, and I was just like, you know what, fuck you, like, enough, like, I've had enough of you, man, like, this isn't about you, and again, like, you start making these hard decisions to choose love over hatred. You start making these decisions to say, you know what? We're good on the ego right now. And boom, bliss. And I just, again, I, I just got put into this place of just pure love. I had my family there with me. I had everybody was connected to me. And I just felt nothing but pure ecstasy across everything. And I just lay there for 15 minutes and just enjoyed the release and the cry. And came out, and I'm a bit of a jokester. I took the mask off, and I look around. And I'm like, oh. Where'd the uh, where'd the throw up go? And they're like, "What throw up?" I was like, "Oh my god, you fucking <laughs> ego!" I didn't throw up, and they're like, "No." I was like, "This motherfucking ego." Um, but dude, it was so funny. I had not thrown up,
0: but I had. A, I was actually one of one of my largest journeys with psilocybin. I had uh, ex, that exact experience where I had puked literally all over the fucking the room, you know, and like like the. Tosh came in to check on me and, and fucking, you know, just all ultimate cleanup, you know, it's in the carpet, it's in the bed, it's in my fucking beard. And then I snap out of it and I look at the puke bucket and there's like a little bit of spit and a couple of snoozes. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me right now. (laughs) You know, I think that there's, there's a, there's a thread, like there's a common thread through many of the different medicines. One of which is you don't want to be cared for, right? Because babies need to be cared for. And, and it's such a mind fuck to have to be cared for again. Like, I'm an adult now. I'm a man. I'm, I don't need people to fucking care for me. And you get humbled when you're put back in that position. But there's sweetness in that, right? Oh, my Big God. Big sweetness yeah. in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just imagine, like, this room of, like, yes, you have the providers, you have the coaches, but then you have these war-torn veterans, like, team guys and just all walks of life, all different branches, just, like, you can see it in their face. Like, um, they've seen it. They've done it, right? and then they pick you up, and they cry right there with you, right? And they release right there with you, and they give you everything they have in their body, and, and it's just like, oh my God, this is the way. This is the path, man. How, how are we not led with this for eternity? How are we so off track right now? So, Um, again, I go back to this community, my wife, and she'll come up here in a second, like, she has a nonprofit, The Hope Project, that's helping women, so veteran women, spouses, because a lot of the spouses get overlooked, and oh, by the way, my wife went through this shit because of me, right, like, she has tons of trauma because of me, Um, she's got her own trauma growing up too, and, um, but she had her experience, dude, and um, don't want to get too ahead of myself, but like, she had her experience after me, like, fighting, and like, telling her for a year, and you got to do this. She didn't believe it. She was resentful. Why do you guys always get the treatments? Why do you guys always get to walk on stage? Why do you guys get like? What about us? That's been here the whole time with your kids, like waiting for the call every fucking deployment to see if you're alive or not. Uh, why don't we get support? And um, for us, we were in Connecticut at the time, and you know I had. I had what I would call relapse in the sense that um, if the environment's not prepped, if you're not integrating, you're going to go back. If you, if your environment's like tough, then you're going to go back to that place or at least that's what happened to me. So she wasn't ready to receive. I didn't prep her for that. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It was 2018. There's no like, integ- I didn't know integration code. I didn't. <laughs> so here we go. And we're just like right back after, after like a couple months, like the medicine did everything it could. And it just like I had created an environment that was just too hard to overcome. And, uh, but I realized like, that's a powerful tool and we need to, you know, at some point revisit that. And I opted to do it again. And when I did it again, she came back. She goes, I want to do this. And uh, she went with a beautiful group of women's. We had uh, gold star wives here. So people that had lost their spouses overseas. We had people that were veterans themselves. It was an all women's retreat. And she came back. And again, despite having five kids and being married for damn near 20 years, like we were never in a fucking relationship. Never even after I did the medicine, like we still weren't in that because she wasn't ready. There was 18 years of trauma. She came back, dude. And the first time we've ever been in a relationship and it was just beautiful. And it's not, it's not perfect. I don't think, you know, but my God, like to see where we are today, the parents that we are, the relationships that we have with each other and with others and the service that we're providing, like, I feel so blessed and grateful to be introduced to this space and to see her thrive now. And she's helped dozens and dozens of women with severe trauma. Um, and she's working with other benevolents. Uh, I think you know Jesse from Heroic Hearts Project. Yeah yeah, 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 they've been
0: on. Those guys are great. Yeah,
1: he's a good dude. Although he's Army, so not that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they actually just officially partnered their nonprofit. Uh, oh, that's so week. cool. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So. What a blessing, man. Like this journey that we're on and the continued service that we get to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, brother. That's incredible. Well, one thing I do want to get into, and maybe it's not time yet, but uh you've you've done some pretty fucking insane shit to generate <laughs> eyes and donations and things of that nature.
1: Yeah. Um so back in 2018, uh, we partnered with Whoop, um, and this is when they probably had five employees and were on the verge of bankruptcy. They're in a different place now, obviously. I think they're a $3 billion company, but...
0: Yeah, Sober October helped yeah, them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, dude, that's great. I So, you know, I, I mentioned the plant medicine, like, was a huge catalyst to my healing. The other thing was the data, right? So I became fascinated with my data. Um, back in 2018, 19. And I would just look and I was like, okay, I'm not doing well today. What are the things that I can change in this equation? Like, maybe it's an ice bath. What does an ice bath do to me if I do that consistently for a month? Oh, damn. Okay, that improved my heart rate variability. My heart rate came down, my sleep's improved. This is cool. What can I change now? Well, let's do the different psychedelics. Like, what does psilocybin do to you? And I just started being the beta test. And then we decided to partner with Whoop when I shared with him what I was doing. I was like, hey. We have a nonprofit. We're helping thousands of SEALs. If they give us approval, I would love to use this as a couple things. One is an early warning signal so I can see the dashboard of all my guys. Uh, and unequivocally, we could provide better service to those dudes. Because I mean, when dudes were in the trash, it's not hard to see through biometrics. Like, you're not getting sleep. You're probably not doing good. Why are you not getting sleep three three days in a row? Because you got in a fight with the old lady and you're living in a hotel and you're boozing it up. Cool. You want us to help you. Let's call it out. Let's figure out what's going on and see if we can fix it. So that's one way we used it. The other way was just like T&E, like test and evaluate, like all the different things. Like I said, it's like, oh, cool. This is working for Johnny, but what works for Johnny doesn't work for Kyle. That's cool. This works for Kyle, but what doesn't work for Kyle? And we started realizing like, holy shit, medicine's somewhat personalized, right? Like we're all different animals here. So yes, there are some things that can probably help the masses, but there are some specific things that help each and every one of us. So, um, I'll hit the event really quick in 2018 through with the partnership of whoop, we said, okay, how do we raise awareness around, um, you know, mental health TBI and at the seal future foundation, we decided to do a skydive into, uh, San Diego, uh, into the ocean there, swim in two miles, which became a hell of a lot longer. And I'll explain that here in a second. Uh, and then run hundred miles with plates. And it was more of like a walk run if we're being completely transparent here.
0: Still, it's 100 fucking miles my after niece, the my swim. Niece, <laughs> my knee's throbbing just talking about it.
1: Um, so we do the, we get on the plane and the guys are like joking with me. It was me and two other team guys. And they're like, Johnny, where are your fins? And I'm like, oh, dude, I planned this thing. Like we're riding this current in. It's going to set us down on the wave. Like we're not even going to have to like exert any energy. We need to conserve it um and they're like okay like obviously you didn't learn anything from combat you never leave your gear behind but good luck with that buddy and i was just like laughing I was like dude i plan this like we're taking off in 30 minutes 30 minutes comes and goes and i talked to pilot what's going on he's like oh we're on a weather hold i was like oh shit Like, what do you think? I was like, it's probably going to be a two, three hour weather hold. I'm like, oh my God, the currents have shifted in three hours. And that's exactly what happened. So we skydive in the skydive was the last coolest thing of this whole event, hit the water. And as soon as I hit the water, like you could feel the current pushing you out to the ocean. I'm like, oh my God, dudes put their fins on, they got on their backs and they just like crossed their arms and they just started like barely kicking. And I went into like a Michael Phelps, like 25 meter all out sprint as hard as I could for two miles. When I got out of that, dude, I mean, that was one of the hardest things I'd done in a very long time. I didn't have an ounce. It felt like I didn't have an ounce of energy. I low crawled. There's film. I'm low crawling. <laughs> Those dudes are walking out. And I'm literally low crawling out, like just trying to catch my breath. And it's all on camera. Like Men's Health picked it up in some other groups. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Um, and they're like, well, we've got to get our gear on. We're going to go. I was like, guys, I, I honestly need a few minutes, like. I'm telling you, like, I need to eat something, like, the fuck the goo packs, I don't want any goo packs, I need a pizza or Chick-fil-A, and I just started just eating everything, and I felt the energy come back, and we threw our gear on, we threw some plates, and then we ran 100 miles, um, and what was awesome um, was juice just started showing up, so we're, like, mile 30, and this, like, old-timer shows up, he's like, hey, you guys the team guys? I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm a former team guy, like, Bud's class 180, I was like, oh, fuck he's like you mind if i run with you I'm like no man and he started running and then we do another 10 clip and then all of a sudden another group of dudes like hey you guys you guys the team guys you guys mind if we run with you and it was uh, it was so cool to like i'm getting chills just thinking about it. these guys who just popped in and like didn't want anything in return they were just like it was just about the community the brotherhood and what we were trying to raise awareness for and those dudes just like hey i'm good i'm gonna pop out here and just disappeared and i remember one of the old timers and i was just like oh man i wish i would have got his name like never thought I would see him again. Well, this community is small. Come to find out he's he's one of the elders in the plant medicine space for our community. And I remember just coming across and we see each other. It's like, oh my God, it's been so long. He just like gave each other the biggest hug. And uh, he's helping so many guys, not just in the, in the SEAL teams, but just all the different branches and doing tons of great work um, in this space. So we raised, you know, back then I think it was like seventy grand or so and it was a big deal. Ended it with a California burrito, which was amazing. <laughs> and and then I look back and um, you know, this new venture I have in Mind Health, um, I was like, you know, that was something special, like suffering together, like through workouts, whatever, like builds that camaraderie, like pushing yourselves to the brink along with other people is like what made me have my brothers and they're literally brother, there's no other way to describe them. They're not friends to put ourselves in that situation and come out of it, um, together as just created bonds that are just unbreakable. So, um, we decided to do it again. Uh, so for envy mind health, we're going to raise money around suicide prevention, uh Sheridan, Wyoming this year, Veterans Day. We got five total other dudes and me. We haven't started training, but we will. Uh Exos, who does a lot of the NFL stuff. They're gonna they're partnered with us. Uh, so they're sponsoring us. So we're gonna fly out there in a couple weeks in Scottsdale, and they're gonna put us through the ringer for the first week and they're gonna give us our curriculum, nutrition, and then um we're gonna train for this gnarly event. So we've already done a two-mile swim and a hundred mile run. Uh, you can't do that again. You've already done it. So we got a round table together and we we're like, well, how about a 10 mile swim?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fucking dead. I would be dead. There's no two ways about that.
1: So we're gonna do a 10 mile swim in uh we're gonna hope we're hoping to uh to skydive into Yellowstone. We gotta get approval for that. If not, there's tons of other lakes up there swim 10 miles and it's 206 miles to the town of Sheridan from the, from where we get out of the water. So we're going to do 200 miles and probably 206 miles because we got to get to the town and then we're going to have a big festival party. um, Just bring all the community together. Like this cool, awesome group of people that are super passionate about mental health and um, you know, all different walks of life, the plant medicine folks, the team guys, the traditional diet, and we're just going to have a great time. And, and celebrate whatever awareness we can bring to the to the cause. So,
0: that's incredible. One of the dates on that
1: November eleventh, Veterans
0: Day this year. Wow!
1: Come on wow. up, man.
0: Uh, that sounds like a fucking <laughs> hell of a trip. And it's going to be nice and cold for you too in that swim. <laughs> Average temp is forty
1: four degrees in that water. I don't even know if we can do this. Like, but to, to your like, I mean, we all just like, yeah, we'll do it. They didn't even think twice about it. I haven't talked to Exos about it. Like. You know, you, you tell somebody else that outside of like with our backgrounds, like what is that possible? Like, are you sure you can do that? And it's just like, again, like, I, yeah, we'll there's see. Only, yeah. yeah, there's only one do it. way. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole idea behind this thing. Let's push ourselves to the to the limits and past them, and uh, we'll figure it out.
0: God, that's fucking incredible. We'll talk talk about Envy uh, Mind Health. What yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so Envy... Um, Well, I'll take a step back. I I mentioned the process at the Seal Future Foundation, and we were just measuring how these different treatments were working on, on the guys, had the dashboard. And I thought, wait a second, can we do this with other people? Because how many billions of people are suffering with some type of mental health issue, disorder? Like, is there a way to leverage technology and specifically biometrics, wearables to help us understand our mental health. So I didn't know the answer to that, but I saw what we rudimentarily built at the foundation. We had, you know, people monitoring. I was like, man, with technology, we can do this. So uh, I went back to grad school and I have no business again, but I shoot for the moon. Um, You know, Texas, Tennessee, like really, like just always are striving for the next thing. So where do you go? Well, you go to Oxford, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so Oxford has a really cool MBA program. It's a two-year incubator. We were one of the few projects selected. So I got a group of guys. I got a French rugby captain was in my class and he's super passionate about this because his mentor committed suicide and, uh, in the French rugby team. And then there's a lot of suicides happening with that transition we talked about. So he was on the team. We had another veteran. She's phenomenal. Um, she worked for the agency for a bit too. So she gets this and she's had her own trauma and just a really cool team of people from diverse backgrounds that realize like, Hey, yeah, we're all suffering. Even though we're different walks of life, we're committed to helping us figure this out. So we worked on envy two years at Oxford, uh, launched it last year, and um, what it is is we're kind of like the Strava for runners. I don't care what device you have. We capture 70% of the market. So you got a Garmin Cool or a Ring Cool. We scrape some of the information that you give us access to. We roll it up with our algorithm r- algorithm to what we call a Mind Score. But more importantly, we give you trend lines. So w- you're trending in a direction, and mental health or mental wellness is over a, a longer period than say recovery, right? So we're gonna see where you're trending so now you get to understand where you're at we build community around this again so like just like in the seal teams we had swim buddies so I have on my app right now I got all my teammates monitoring me and they also get alerts from the app. If I start going sideways they're gonna get an alert uh, and if it gets severe enough the algorithm's smart enough to tell you' it's like hey Johnny's not in a really bad situation you need to, you need to get a hold of the Mace app. um but the other thing we're doing is we're building mental resilience. So like, let's get to that individual before they get to that spot. And then let's get back to our prime where like, we, you know, we don't fall victim to that. We catch it before that. And then we just keep optimizing and improvement. So that's my goal is to help people with the resilience. Um, the other cool thing that's done is, is it measures the impact that all the solutions are having on you. So, you know, you do psilocybin, like, what does that do to your physiology? Well, let's, let's see. And let's see you know, how long those effects last. And let's see that compared to traditional medicine. And let's see that compared to an ice bath or compared to the sauna or compared to nutrition. And in enough time with enough data, uh, we're going to be able to tell what works for you in that specific scenario. Um, so right now, we're focused on the veteran, first responders. Uh, we're talking to Austin Fire Department, Boston, uh, their police. Like We want to help those people that are in situations that are high stress, there's high suicide, but let's get back to what we used to be super resilient creatures. Let's, let's uh, make sure if we do slip that we're able to catch each other the way that we used to. And then let's find out what solutions work. So we're working with them, working with some of the foundations. And my goal is just to like scale this to everybody that wants to, to just have a better understanding of where they're at. No judgment. We're all going to have our ups and downs but let's understand how we constantly optimize. So that's what we've been doing. Um, we're running around the country raising money for this. Uh, actually, the world, I'm in France next week. Um, and uh, I'm going to stop at nothing. And again, there's only one option here. The world deserves um, better tools, better systems. And I'm going to stop at nothing with my team to figure this out.
0: That's so fucking rad. I mean, that literally was my job at On It. Oh, no. Director of Human Optimization. It was just being the office guinea pig. Oh, dude, that's you know, run, awesome. Run fucking every N equals one, go to the supplement conferences, combine all the new, you know, new and novel things to make something unique that no one else had, and, and just try it on first size. And then, like Sasha Shulgin's inner circle, you know, spread that out to Aubrey and ETG and the other rest of the crew and see... What are the results in the gym? What are the results in the bedroom? How do you sleep at night, you know, figuring out all this shit? And that's how we'd make new products, you know, but it's, it's, it's cool because you're making this available to everybody and starting with where it's needed most. But, but the fact that this is something that an everyday Joe can say, yeah, man, I'm fucking hate my job. I've got a, not a great relationship with alcohol or with my wife. And I don't know the first thing that's going to help me. Where do I fucking start? Right. Yeah. You got got all the, you know, just a laundry list of things that can work.
1: I uh, It's, I, I, again, I get chills thinking about it and this is my life's mission now. Like I'm going to stop at nothing. We have, we have uh universities we're partnering with. So Austin's one of them. We're going to do the data collection around the Ibogaine study that they're going to do. Uh, and potentially if not Ibogaine, another psychedelic. Uh, so we have to get approval by the university, Robin Carr Harris. We've been in talks with them at UCSF. Adam Gazelli supports us on the board. Uh, Adam Gazelli runs Neuroscape at UCSF and Robin works under that team um and those guys have taken digital therapeutics through the fda approval process so for me it's like i don't want people using the app i just want people to understand where they're at and how we support each other when we get to those down points and we will and then what works for us um so i think that the, the opportunity is endless i mean adolescence dude like with the pressure that the, the kids have today with social media bullying and all this other stuff like and i don't know how we do this but as a parent like i don't know if like, it would be good to know that my son or my daughters, my, my sons or daughters are not in a good place. Like, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't say shit to my parents. Yeah. And I don't know how they would feel about that. My my son who just graduated high school yesterday has done medicine. So he'd be like, yeah, I love it, dad. This is amazing. Two years ago, be like, fuck you, get away from me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the path. I call it the war path and the obligation that we have to to make something and uh it's cool to hear that that's what you used to do because it's it's the funnest job in the world man.
0: Yeah, absolutely I love it. brother. Yeah. It's so good you get to take it out to everybody too. Yeah. It's been great have, having you on the podcast brother. We'll do it again. Where can people find you? Where can people get a hold of you and where can people support you?
1: Yeah, I would just direct everybody to envy mind health and it's dot com. um and then obviously we have envy mind health on all the different social media platforms. Um, I still have stigma with social media as a former team guy, so I'm like trying to figure out how to use LinkedIn, but our team, uh, has a page and, uh, I, I am out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, Johnny, it's been fucking great having you and we'll for sure run it back I'm, I'm, you know, the path that you're on is one that, uh, you you make a, you, you, you cross a lot of ground very quickly when you're on this kind of trajectory. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about here in, in a relatively short period of time for sure. Thank you, brother. Thank you.